Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are about to wrap up the fourth of four items that are found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the first paragraph in that chapter, verses 1 through 8, which are, number one, something that we need to know, namely about our resurrection glorified bodies that are going to replace these bodies of corruption and death. And number two, something to feel, that is the weight of our earthly corruption, our sinful depravity inherited from Adam, which, though having been saved from that Adamic state and justified before God and having worked within us the Holy Spirit of God who is sanctifying us progressively, gradually, to become more and more like Jesus Christ, we're not there yet and we feel the vulnerability of our present depravity, or at least we ought to, if we don't, there's something that we don't understand and we're not behaving in a spiritually knowledgeable manner. And the uncertainties of death, we need to feel the weight of that. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And the actual activity of death is not a pleasant thing. It's not a, a wonderful thing. Now, the things that are promised to us beyond that are wonderful beyond imagination. But death itself is a great, great weight. So there's something to feel, the the groaning of our present condition, for in this we groan. There's something to assure, as we saw in verse 5, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who's given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Something to assure us, The Word of God assures us the Spirit of God working within us assures us that we are the children of God and therefore we are the recipients of God's promises and they cannot fail. But there is then number four, something to guide. And that's where we went on the broadcast yesterday and we're going to finish that up, Lord willing, today. Thank you for joining me on this Friday, December 2. And don't forget... We do depend upon the gifts of our radio listeners. Perhaps you would consider a special year-end gift as we close out this 12th month of 2022. Well, something to guide us, as we saw, first of all, are the challenges of life, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. And because we're absent from the Lord, and therefore not in His presence, we're not entirely sanctified, we're not perfected yet, we're not beyond 
the reach of sin and danger. Therefore, we've got to be particularly diligent. God intends for us to have to be diligent. We can't coast. We coast when we get there to heaven. We don't coast until we get there. The superiority of divine revelation is something to guide us. Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't make our decisions and choices and responses by the things which we can see, but though we don't disregard those totally, but there's something that we have that is greater than that, an understanding, a revelation that unconverted people don't have, namely the things which we know by faith, revealed to us in the Word of God. These spiritual realities, they are more weighty, more important, more determining of our direction in life than the things which can be seen. And so the superiority of divine revelation guides us. And then finally, there's the glories of heaven, verse 8. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We look forward to the inevitable end of our temporal life. We look forward to that as Christians, not because we are looking forward to that actual act of dying, which can be very challenging, though there are many wonderful promises to assure us even in that as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But we're not looking forward to the act of dying, but we're looking forward to the end of our temporal life because we look forward to the eternal glories of Christ's presence, and we can't be in the presence of Christ until we die. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Well-pleased. That pleases us more than life. We would rather be with Christ than to remain on the earth. Why do we hold on to life so, what should I say, so irrationally? Now, obviously, God gives us life, and he intends for us to live our lives, and we should live with joy and enthusiasm. We, Christians ought to love life on this, in this world more than unbelievers. We see so many people around us that are in utter despair, so many people who are taking their own lives, so many people who are drowning their sorrows in alcohol and drugs, and they just can't can't stand themselves, they can't stand their lives, they, they are in utter despair. No child of God should live that way. We have lives lives that are meaningful. We have we have eternal work to do. We have communion with the triune Godhead. We we have so many joys and and wonderful things that transpire in this life that we don't hate our lives like many unconverted people do, but we would rather be with the Lord. Paul told us he would, and he tells us that we should. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That pleases us. If we understand the things that he's talked about in this chapter, that pleases us. Because death is better than life, because death itself is just 
it's it's a moment. It just we just pass right through. We we have to go through the gate of death to get to eternal life with the Lord. But it's just for a moment. It's just like stepping through the gate, and then we're there. And death is better, even without the resurrection body that we know is promised to us and will come at the second coming of Christ. But in that interim between the time that we die and are with the Lord, and then that time when we return with the Lord to collect our resurrection bodies, those glorified bodies, that's going to be a wonderful time, and we look forward to it. Death is better than life. Death, uh, being in the presence of Christ, is better than living upon the earth. And knowing that enables us to overcome our fear of death. That's not an unnatural fear. That's a natural one, but it can be overcome. And this guides our decisions and activities upon the earth. Now, there are a lot of things in this chapter that we should take to heart, important lessons. We do understand the frustrations of a broken world. Much of the political agitation in this world is the unrest of the groaning of the bondage of this present condition without understanding the reason for it, nor God's provision for deliverance from it. People in this world are feeling the groaning of this corruption, groaning of this saturation of sinfulness throughout this world, the groaning of a world that is waiting its redemption that has not yet come, but doesn't understand where all of this injustice, all of this, all of this crime, all of these problems that seem to be so unsolvable, and we throw solution after solution after solution after them, and it seems like they only make things worse. And so much political agitation is simply the unrest of groaning under the bondage of present corruption without understanding the reason for it, nor God's provision of deliverance from it. It is railing against the effects of Adam's fall and the present corruption without acknowledging the sinful cause, nor desiring the remedy in the cross of Christ. The only solution is the gospel of Christ, and that, of course, is only the final solution when we are in the presence of the Lord, and that only applies to those who trust in Christ. But even for a better world, less corruption, less inequality, less unrest, fewer wars, less crime, and so forth, what is the answer of that? The gospel of Christ as the gospel of Christ is more widely received by more people, more are saved by trusting in Christ, then society improves. Does it become perfect? No. And can't. Until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he makes all things whole, all things new, all things perfect. A world of perfect righteousness, of perfect justice, of perfect everything. That awaits the second coming of Christ. But the gospel is the only thing that can make this present time of corruption and the groaning that we experience under it or in it, the only thing that can make that even better now is the gospel of Christ. And when that is rejected, we throw that out. No Bible in our schools. 
no mention of God in our discourse, no consideration of God's law and ways of righteousness as having anything applicable to any of us. When we go that route of rebellion against God, then what can we expect but growing injustice, growing inequality, growing crime, growing wars, growing corruption, because we are rejecting the one thing that can make things better, truly. And that's why Scripture must be prized if we are to live for eternity. We've got to prize Scripture now in this world, in this life, even as we are looking forward to the life to come. And our church involvement must be cultivated to live for eternity. As I've said recently, our churches should be Bible-saturated churches. Our relationships, our best relationships, our most important relationships ought to be with the people of God, interacting with them. We need their fellowship. We need their examples. We need their encouragement. We need accountability to one another in the body of Christ. God has designed this for our good in this world. It will enable us to live a more productive, a more meaningful, a more effective, a more fruitful, a more joyful life in this world while we are waiting the glories of the world to come. And temporal values must recede if we are going to live for eternity. Don't let the world's values become your values. How many Christians are grasping after things, 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 money, 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 pleasure, 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 instead, that is temporal pleasures, instead of Christ, 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 the Word, the Word, the Word, advancing the interests of Christ's kingdom, spreading the gospel far and wide. We need to be living for eternity, not temporal values. Until next week, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.